Welcome to Sensor Noise, a podcast about photography. I'm Andrew, joined as always by Arthur. Say hi, Arthur. Hello. This week, we're also joined by special guest Claire Violet. Hello, Claire. Buongiorno. <laughs> Very good. Um, are, are we are we going to go and ask you these questions? I guess as an intro thing, I can ask some of them. Sure. Yeah. Uh, ooh, I, what was your first camera, Claire? Oh, um, you know, you can, you can interpret this as like the first camera you ever used or like the first camera you got for yourself kind of thing. Cause like my first camera that I ever used, I have no idea, you know, it would have been uh-huh. when I was a kid. I so. am pretty sure the first camera I had, I got it sometime in high school. Um, I expressed some interest like before then about taking photos with like whatever point and shoot my parents had. Um, and I don't know what compelled them to do this. Um, maybe I asked for it, but I got a Canon power shot, like SX 50 HS something. Um, they, and I, they still make that series of Canon power shot. Uh, really? I don't know how well they sell, but they have the Canon, PowerShot SX something, some number HS. It's out there. You hmm. can purchase one. Um, I didn't know yeah. that. Um, I learned the horrors of digital zoom on that camera as opposed to oh, the lovely yes. optical zoom. And I learned um, why all of my photos seemed like they were you know, smeared with Vaseline. Um, mm. But I had a lot of fun with that. And yeah. uh, They're up to the Canon PowerShot SX740 HS. Uh which can be yours for six hundred dollars. Six hundred dollars. Six hundred dollars. That's for an all-in-one. Oof. Yeah. Uh, Twenty point three megapixels. Is that um, a lot? Uh, not really. <laughs> it's more than <laughs> okay. I would have expected for that point and shoot, though. Yeah, I think this is like a um, you know, where the Sony RX one hundred is like the high end point and shoot. This is like a oh, mid range. Sure. Yeah. Mm. So. Yeah, very cool. What what camera do you use now? Oh, um, Roz. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get whichever into whichever one is more working. Detail, but <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I feel that. <laughs> um, so I have a couple cameras. Um, I the first I I got into Polaroids in college, and I had I have still been using those for a number of years. Um, so I've got like a 600 and I've got a yellow eye type. Um, and then, uh, last year in the fall, I tried, I was interested in getting back into photography as a hobby and I had never done anything with film. And then I borrowed Liz's camera for, uh, maybe a week and just the feeling of all the little knobs and dials and loading the roll, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I need to get into this. So um, now I have a collection of the Practica B series, the B100 and 200s that I've been repairing, which we can get into in a bit, that mostly yeah. don't work. I have a Rolly mm-hmm. 35T and I have a Nikon mm. F. Nice. Very nice. So all That's a good collection. Yeah, all pretty classic stuff too. Uh because I don't know the the B's actually are probably the more recent models mm-hmm. compared to the Nikon F and the Rolly thirty five T. So yeah, yeah, um, and it shows in the build quality. <laughs> <laughs> but it says electronic on it. It has to be good. Yeah, 
<laughs> it does it does say electronic on it. That um I've I've opened those up and uh there is some sort of like a flexi PCB in there. And in the B two hundred they even have a very tiny IC in there. Uh, which is hilarious. Um yeah, it's it's quite funny. Yeah. Yeah, late late model film SLRs when they sort of get electronics in them are just a mess to like, you know, do anything with. <laughs> Let's do uh one of our favorite segments, the news. Some some follow-up on the Sony A93, the global shutter that will change the world. Um it turns out <laughs> yeah. reviewers have gotten their hands on it and um it's noisy, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a noisy sensor. Um, it seems like it's about as good as what you'd get from uh, an APS-C camera, like a Sony A60-something. Yeah. Uh, 6400 or whatever, yeah. Which maybe is fine. I guess if you really need the, the fast shutter speed, then you're probably okay yeah. with that trade-off. I mean, this this... Uh, Petapixel article, it says, you know, its raw shooting speeds are remarkably impressive. The camera can shoot full resolution images at up to 120 frames per second. Um, and at that point, I'm like, oh you're goodness. just recording a video at that yeah, point. That's, that's, liter- that's what a moving image is. It's just a series of, of images, you know. <laughs> I think the difference is that I guess if they implemented a video mode where you could actually take a clean image from every frame then yeah, yeah that would work yeah. but i don't think that they typically do that in their video recording like any the, if you introduce compression you can't do that anymore yeah i i figured that there would be some sort of trade-off right because yeah. this is a br- fairly new technology or whatever but i i think it's interesting that they um you know the original article was like oh there's uh you know there's worse noise and then they followed it with an image that's like but the speed is worth it for pros it's worth it and it's like okay probably maybe i mean for for like the people shooting the olympics sure yeah if you say it loud enough it becomes true yeah that's true (laughs) I, i mean i guess if you're buying a global shutter camera like because it has a global shutter, then the speed is probably a practical concern for you but if you're thinking of buying this because it's like the latest and greatest Maybe don't do Maybe that. Maybe don't. <laughs> Stick with Maybe the hold A- A75, yeah. A7R4, whatever the current one is. Or the A1, the A7CR. Yeah, they got to fix A- their names. This is ridiculous. Alpha. Well, and also I feel like we should be saying alpha technically, but I don't know. Nah. I, don't, I don't know. Well, the one is technically the best, right? I think the one is supposed to be the like the primo one. I, I guess so. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I go to the camera store sometimes. I ask the the people, the, the the Sony person, like, "Can you explain these this line of cameras to me?" And they're like, "No, not really." <laughs> it's like, okay, uh, but to be fair, that's also true of like Canon, you know. True. So, yeah. So this next news item is about metal lenses, which is something that I've recently discovered. I I read this as first as metal lenses, you know, <laughs> no. and I was like, rad. But, uh, so basically, the idea here is like, over the past uh, forever, we've basically been making lenses the same way. You know, it's a piece of glass that we cut into a shape and we stick it with a bunch of other ones to yeah. get the performance we want. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what if you didn't have to do that? What if you could just make the glass effectively in such a way that 
a single piece of glass gives you the optical performance that you want and the characteristics that you want. Hmm. Um, so this company that's going to make cameras look really weird. <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> going to have these. Like I'm looking at the image here of the the uh, you know theoretical uh, meta lens here, and it's just like this flat little pancake thing. But with a bunch of tiny little things sticking out of it. With the yeah, like little tendrils. Oof. So the idea this is that no you you shape the light with a bunch of these tiny, tiny, tiny little lenses to get yeah. the image type that you want. Um and they're very small. That's the idea. Hmm. Um, I just think this is interesting to think about because a lot of it's coming about because of like semiconductor manufacturing. Like they need this kind oh, of thing yeah. for semiconductors. Yeah. But also, like, if you actually did this for cameras, you could get much better lenses, potentially, like, in phones and stuff. So I think That's it's interesting. True. Yeah. It's obviously still a very early technology. But, like, I mean, like I said, we've been making lenses the same way for the past several hundred years. Uh, maybe we can make something new at some point. Canon announced it would begin making metal lenses. Okay. Mm. So Ken is taking it seriously. Also, it says researchers developed a flat meta lens that can change its focal length using polarized light. Yeah. Isn't that, that makes... just the, uh, like, full field capturing technology almost, too? Like, uh, Kind of, but the difference similar is that, to that. Yeah. the difference is that this is, uh, you're not, you're not, like, you use it with a traditional image sensor. So you're not yeah. actually okay. capturing the whole field. You just can change what part of the field you're capturing without any moving parts. Okay. Yeah, it is sure. interesting that the light field sensor technology just kind of didn't yeah, nobody go really anywhere did after Lytro failed, which is because I feel like there is potential there, but no one was interested. <laughs> but maybe because only really Sony makes sensors and they were like, no, we're good. <laughs> it seems like that there are, are going to continue to be a lot of different camera, for lack of a better word, gimmicks that change something mm. about the camera rather than changing like what you can do with it very fundamentally. I mean, you can tweak this setting or you can make the lens in a different way, but it, it's still, you know, fundamentally right. the same activity. You haven't invented a new mode, right? Like, yeah. I yeah, know, I guess I guess really the selling catch. point here is like w you can make a zoom lens that's not you know like twenty pounds or whatever. Yeah, but that it, would be the main selling point of these. Yeah, would love it for my laptop, but I don't see me going outside and taking photos with it at the same time either. Um, yeah, doesn't seem particularly satisfying. At least uh, certainly not to no. me. Um, I'm just imagining an M42 screw mount metal lens now. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Realistically, I think the way that these will get used is like. Like, my huge Nikon Zoom, uh, it has, like, 40 elements or something in there. What if it only had 12 or less? Mm. Like, it, it, they'll probably but, get used to just condense. But more groups. elements is more better. I mean, to a certain you know? extent, yeah, but if you could condense the groups down. I mean, if you ask me, that's your fault for using zoom lenses. I, simply I suppose that's true. Primes. <laughs> have you considered? Um, because <laughs> let me tell you, I, I have a lot of primes. I, I don't think I, I have one zoom lens and I got it for like $5. Um, mm. I used it once and I have never used it again. Um, yeah. You should just carry around like a backpack full of glass. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty yeah, fun. But... 
But I do planes, out. and I can't afford the big primes for planes <laughs> because they're fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, you you would potentially be able to carry around a backpack full of primes if they were metal ends primes because they'd all they'd basically be like little filters almost in right, terms of yeah. size. So that's true. That's true. Yeah, you could have like one per ten millimeters. You know, <laughs> just carry them in a little case. I went up to uh, Mount Rainier and I was carrying with me like four or five prime lenses for the Practica B series. And let me tell you, at that altitude, no, bad idea. <laughs> A little taxing. <laughs> no, not not so fun. Uh, some news here that the uh, Canon uh, EOS R1 is expected to debut relatively soon. Canon is reportedly preparing an extensive promotional push this quarter, aiming for a Q2 release. So this will be the follow-up to the EOS 1, which is the flagship uh, DSLR. So they're finally coming out with a flagship mirrorless in the R series. Did they um, still not... I guess they didn't have one, right? Because the no. for the last Olympics, they did the 1DX mark whatever that was, yeah. which I guess is still... a. Uh, DSLR. Huh. Yep. Yep. So um, that'll be interesting. You know, I, the, the like Canon and Nikon's mirrorless ranges are starting to fill out now. Yeah. Um, Nikon has enough cameras, I think, at this point. They're still filling out the lenses, but yeah. Yeah, the cameras true. are solid now. Yep. Yeah, especially with the Z8. That was the big one, I think. Yeah, that's a big so. one. Although I love my ZF. Um, <laughs> important Pentax film camera news. We talked about this Pentax, you know, making a, a film camera again. They uh, apparently showed it in Japan um, last month. Uh, there are no pictures of it, uh, but they did show it <laughs> to people. Um, a prototype has been constructed. Um, and the big thing uh, about this is that it has a, uh, a manual film winder. I guess. So um, huh. it's going to be very classic in that regard. Interesting. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, Before uh, you they... move on, okay. what is the state of ads on photography blogs that this website, I have ad blockers and yet, oh my goodness, the amount of pop-ups and live chat and oh, what is, on what is going on? On a uh, Cosmo photo. Oh, oh. yeah. Um, I guess, you know, uh, I'm guessing <laughs> that the, the like price per ads keeps going down. So you just have to keep adding more and more ads to make the same I, money. I don't know. I, it's, it's an ad for a camera that's going to come out. It's, it's, you know, I know. I, yeah. Hmm. No, was, Andrew, there, there is a picture of the camera. Oh, where, what from, where? from the side, you gotta, you gotta oh. click through to the, uh, the interview, you gotta click through. To the interview, I believe okay. one of these is a side shot of short it. series Pentax film project. Um, okay, I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Oh, yep, yeah, that appears to be a side on view. You see the pic- the picture of the girl like holding the thing up to the camera. I think that's yeah. it. Okay, well, it looks like a camera to me. Yeah, it um, sure does. Yeah, I think it's interesting that they because they have. Um, it says, with used cameras, there are times when they inevitably be- break and become unusable, right? I think there's a part of us that is hesitant to invest in it because it is an expensive purchase. If we could release a new camera that comes with a full warranty from the manufacturer, that would eliminate that problem. Um, 
if this prototype that is currently in the review stage goes well, we are hoping to get it onto the market as soon as possible. So, all right. Um, I'm, gl- I'm glad because, uh, yeah, there are, you know, film cameras are not getting any younger. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'm excited for this. I think I've already said that I'll probably buy this. Um, yeah. Regardless of cost. <laughs> I don't have any film gear and this would, I, I might buy this one. Yeah. Really. Um, In other Pentax news, um, they've come out with a new DSLR. For some reason, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's monochrome only, um, and it's a DSLR, yeah. and and it's twenty. Well, that one came out in twenty twenty three, I guess. But the still, K, the K three three, yeah, or Mark three, which is monochrome. So basically, what they did is they took their K three, and they took the color filters off the sensor, so that it gets you one stop extra brightness, and then it's monochrome. Um, and it's a DSLR because Pentax is committed, they say, to DSLRs slash they tried mirrorless and didn't really get it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sure. You know, man. I'm Go just glad it. they're still around. I, I have yeah. a soft spot for Pentax for some reason. Well, Andrew, I, I understand that uh, you had a birthday event. I did. Um, I actually came straight here to record after the birthday event, so um, my opinions are fresh, and so is my so is my body odor, frankly. Because boy, we were <laughs> running around, and i i got i got I got pretty overheated. <laughs> but um, it so was, what was good. The, what was the event like? What did you do? The event was I rented out a photo studio for about four hours and invited a bunch of folks uh, like friends, coworkers, and also the folks from the, the film photography group that I'm a part of. Um, and said like, Hey, come and like uh, take pictures basically, or pose for pictures or whatever. Cause well, I um, have never really done like studio, <clears throat> studio photography. So I wanted sure. to practice that and get better at that. Um, and also, you know, I'm 32 now, um, and after 32 years of January birthdays, one tires of, like, going to the bowling alley or laser tag, you <laughs> <Yep>. know? <laughs> There's not a lot of choices for a January birthday. It's just cold. Mm. And, indeed, it was cold and snowy today, you know? So it's like, um, yeah. So rented a, a studio that had um, a bunch of neat, like, backdrops, uh, like the... the um, what is it? The seamless paper backdrops that you can um, bring down. And then they also right. had like a, a wood texture wall and they had a psych wall, which is like a fully seamless, like almost square, like white, basically the Johnny Ive, you know, thing oh, that he was yes. always in just the, the like infinite white space, basically that. Um, and some other stuff too. They, they have, um, the studio has like a really old barber chair set up mm-hmm. that you can, um, you know, have people pose in and things like that. So, yeah. Um, I showed up, brought a bunch of cameras and some lighting stuff, and then um, lots of other folks showed up and fortunately brought a lot more lighting gear, which was good because my lighting gear was not the most optimal for this situation because it's um, flashes, which are not great for multiple people trying to take pictures, you know, um, of the the same person. Um, This space is... uh, I don't know exactly how big it is. Um, 
Uh, it has to be like a. I think if actually, I think it's twenty four hundred square feet is what okay, the website wow. said. So yeah, pretty sizable. Um, but it's also there's a lot of stuff stuffed into that space as well. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, but it was good. Had a lot of fun. A lot of folks came out. Um, the theme was power. Um, so Ooh. I said like, you know, dress or show up in something that makes you feel powerful or whatever. So, um, everyone looked really great in that regard, you know, very fashionable or whatever, lots of blazers, um, things like that. And, uh, yeah, I, um, you know, had a lot of fun. I'm getting better at like manual mode on the ZF, um, mm-hmm. and all of that. Uh, got my film cameras out for a bit because some folks brought continuous lighting, which was better oh, nice. for that. Um, yeah. How did it go getting, um, I, I guess what I'm interested in is you invited some, you know, family, friends, coworkers, mm-hmm. and from what I know about you, those aren't people that are going to be into photography, uh, certainly not as much as the people you do the photo walks with, Right. How right. did you get the – I guess the photo walk people are already sort of accustomed to yeah. um, taking For photos them, of people they don't know. Right. So For them, it, it was like, it hey, I rented well. this space. Come out and shoot pictures. And it's like, oh, great. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I – you know, to my friends and coworkers, I was like, you know, hey, I'm doing this thing. Um, you know, come out and, you know, get like your portrait taken basically was mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the cell or the, the – the pitch um mm-hmm. you know it's like all you know make you like sit in a chair on a box or whatever in front of a background and you know take a nice photo of you kind of thing so um nice. yeah and it, and it went well from what you're saying it did yes quite, a lot of people showed up yeah it was That's kind great. of a whirlwind from from start to finish so <laughs> and i imagine also you know renting out a photography studio you know you're kind of at the mercy of the props or backdrops that they have but seems yes. like it worked well like they've got a pretty good list it, online or something you know you can check did, those out yeah they had um they had like a little virtual tour of the space mm-hmm. so oh, i could see handy. like the backdrops and things and then also yeah just like a selection of different kinds of like chairs or stools and even some like you know just like white boxes to sit on and whatever. So we were, you know, and some of the folks uh, that are, you know, are in like my photography group are are much more professional photographers than me. So they're just sort of getting in there and arranging stuff and, um, you know, having people posing, posing some of the models or or folks, you know, who are posing kind of stuff. And, um, but it was interesting too, because this is, this photo studio is inside of a much larger building um, that's a really old, it's like a 150 year old industrial building that used to be a, Ooh. I think you said it was a fire truck factory, which is kind of wild. Um, but like <laughs> everything on the East coast is so weird. Oh, well, I, I know in Ohio, so I don't know that that counts <laughs> well, as East coast. That's it, maybe uh, a Midwest Rust Belt but... kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. so there's like this, so there's like the whole second floor of this building is, is all more or less empty. Just this like vast empty space with like white brick walls and really old, wooden floors and then there's the Mm -hmm. space where the photo studio is that's like finished you know and they were like you know you can obviously use our photo studio but you can also come out here and take uh pictures you know in the like you know like 
post-industrial kind of looking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and there was even like an old school freight elevator that you could take photos oh. in or around. You know, like one of those With where the, you have to like pull the the, the uh, metal grating you know, the, sort of closes together. It was wooden. That's how old it was. Oh. It wasn't metal. Um, oh, yeah. my goodness. And uh, so some of some of the folks actually they just found good lighting, like there was just like a fluorescent light in the ceiling at one point, mm-hmm. and it just shone down in such a way, you know, to make a really good picture. And then there was also just like a leather armchair, just sort of sitting randomly in that empty space that folks grabbed. See, that's so. that's digital privilege is to just be able to go into a random space and have enough light. If you well, me, this is this is true, but but then they also some folks started grabbing, appropriating some of my lighting and whatnot to take mm-hmm. out there and so on. So because I had, cool. in addition to strobes, I had a couple of the LED tube lights that you can change the color on and all that. So they grabbed. This is an those. exciting idea. I always worry with like hosting things. That, you know, I, I sort of overperform, but. Um, this is, oh, this well, is a very I was neat... deeply worried about that, but then, then, then I like couldn't be worried about that because there was just too much going on. Mm-hmm. And I actually wanted to go out and photograph outside of the studio in that space. And I just didn't have the time, mm-hmm. unfortunately, but, uh, you know, <laughs> that's the thing is there were, there were so many people there and so many people posing that like it, I wanted to like try and get photos of everyone, and I just couldn't because there was too much going on. I couldn't be; I'd have to be in multiple places at the same time or whatever. But yeah, it was really cool. We sort of we worked the normal backdrops at first, and then we got brave enough to do the psych wall that like the Johnny Ive mm-hmm. white box space, um, which you have to put you have to put like basically saran wrap on your shoes so that you don't get it all dirty mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and we set up the lighting for that. But that was really cool because then we brought like a leather armchair and sat it in there and oh. had people, you know, sit in it. And it's just like you're uh, Morpheus. Uh, yes, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Great. No, that's, that's actually awesome. pretty apt. Yeah. So, <laughs> I um, really want access to one of those. I, I don't do lighting and I don't have like a studio space, but I really would love access to a white backdrop like that for some of my museum work. Yeah. Um, yeah. For the Connections Museum, there's a bunch of these larger objects that I can't like fit into a flatbed scanner because they're three dimensional. You know, some old label on um, some weird mechanical grease, and it, I just love the typography on them, and I want to photograph them to preserve them, but I don't have access to enough. You know, I I, I can't I can't yeah. do that with my current setup, so. Um, There's got to be photo studios in your area, I'm sure, that have something like that. And a lot of them, this one too, you could actually, like, you can rent lighting from them if you need it. Um, This is the thing. It's it's so funny. I don't know what it is about Seattle, but I know so many people here, and we're all friends, and we're all photographers, but we haven't done a single photo walk, and we live (laughs) within 20 minutes of each other walking. Yeah. And I, I don't understand. Yeah, I need to do something I, like this to get. I think someone's got to bite the is, bullet and schedule yeah, there, it. You know, there, there is a location. The Photographic Center Northwest has like the Pacific Northwest's only public darkroom, and I've had a to do task to go there and sign up for membership for months. Just never, yeah. you know, still haven't done it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Mid- Midwest Photo yeah, here has cool. a darkroom that you can rent as well. Um, which I. See, to do. In the Bay Area, I'm a little stuck, 
Um, I found a single photo studio in San Francisco that you can rent. It's called Studly Doodly Do. Um, so oh, that's <laughs> I don't. Hmm. So I don't love that. Um, they charge sixteen hundred dollars for ten hours, and ten hours is the minimum you can book. Okay, so they're clearly yeah. targeting the corporate market. Yes, or yeah. like Oof. film. Like it seems like they have a lot of like oh, yeah. uh, cinema mm. uh, equipment. Mm. Yeah, um, I've also discovered uh, Airbnb, but for letting people come into your house and use your house like a photo studio. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. is so that? That's are you on? Are you on Peer Space? Yeah, Peer Space. Yeah, Peer Space. Peer Space. Peer Um, it can actually be because you can do browse space. You can do activities, photo shoot. Um, and it will show you like people's houses that they have that you can rent out for a photo shoot. But it, in my experience, at least around here, it also shows you like actual photo studios. Oh, that would um, be nice. No, I'm I, I'm only seeing like some guy's apartment. Okay, yeah, that's interesting because there are actual, yeah, like video photo studio with multiple shooting backdrops. There's a dance studio. Here's a uh, production studio with a forty foot psych wall. Um, you can also go rent the prison break set at an escape room. <laughs> huh. <laughs> All right. It's, it's weirdly expensive. A lot of these places are between like 80 and a hundred dollars an hour. And the escape room is $327 an hour, which is just not worth it. I'm afraid. Uh, I'm sorry. I have just um, discovered through this website, what some of the buildings around me that are seemingly vacant for uh, some rich person. I don't. I'd never understood what they were until now. I find out that I can rent know. a two-floor, four thousand five hundred square foot space with tables and chairs for a mm-hmm. photo shoot. Uh, yeah. Huh. Um, but you might be able to find uh, actual photo studios on there. Yeah. I don't know if it's. I don't know what it is. If it's just that Columbus is particularly artsy or whatever, but there are a number of mm-hmm. like actual good photo studios places that are set up for you to be able to go in and take uh shots you know no i think um, it's just that like half of businesses in um san francisco are a scam like, you know that's it's probably, probably what's going it's, on it's probably that a photo studio like that could not afford to rent in like san oh no francisco, no frankly they absolutely yeah. could not whereas here like they're all in like previously abandoned industrial buildings and things like that so yeah. mm-hmm. you know or like, I think there's one that's like in an old service station, because um, we have a lot of, uh, you know, we're here in the Rust Belt. We have a lot of abandoned industrial spaces that are being uh, repurposed for various uh, things. So, yeah. So that was I the nice um, thing about living in the upstate South is that yeah, there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on in like the Asheville area that you can just I don't know. Here's a warehouse. Go do some stuff in it. You know, right. we have. Yeah. It's still somehow barely affordable for art. You know. Yeah. Like where I am in the South Bay, like San Jose has a ton of available space like that, but nobody does anything with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there I was actually talking to some of the folks at this event. Because it's like I kind of want like my own studio now because then I don't have to tear down the lighting. You know, I can just yeah. leave it up. Um, and there are places like this place, in fact, um, you know, where like the building is, uh, you know, controlled and they rent out the various spaces for, for things like this. And there's places like this that rent out artist studios for like 
250 to 450 a month which is mm-hmm. you know if, if if we split it between a few of us like is really not yeah that bad you know it's like yeah, that could not work bad at all so like that's turning in my hand because i was like well maybe i'll just keep renting these these various um you know studios but i need like a more minimal kit for that i think right. slash it needs but to also be like how powered. many times do you have to do it for it to just be the cost of renting the place right that's true yeah and there's a couple of these places including the one that i went to today where you can you can sign up for a membership and pay monthly and get some amount of time sort of for free every month that you can use without having to pay for a rental but like it's it it in order to use that time on the weekend um you have to pay like just shy of what it would cost to have your own studio (laughs) you know so it's like well you know now i'm thinking um but you know i don't know keep us keep us updated it it seems like a chicken and egg problem where it's like it'd be nice if i made money doing this because i'd have the money to spend on a studio but it's like but also like i can't invite people like to my house to shoot you know like that's a little weird like, well, you, put the you backdrop could if, up in my if bedroom. They're okay with being uh, covered in dog hair. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the <laughs> other thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, clear to your point of like you know you know all these folks and you got you just don't you've never had like a photo walk out of ever. This was sort of a, a thing that I was doing where I was like uh, talking to some folks and I was like you know it's going to get cold and we're not going to be able to do photo walks outside. We should. Um, you know, consider renting a studio or whatever. And everyone was supportive of the idea, but, but um, no one really did it. And so I was like, you know what, for my birthday, I'm going to do something that I will enjoy and I'll just rent the studio and tell folks, you know, <laughs> come and I like that, you know, hang out with me. So at some point, someone has to start making something beautiful and just put it out in the world. Like just do the things you want to do. Um, don't, don't, you know, let something stop you like that. So I'm, I'm glad it worked out. Um, I, I think it's really cool. And I, I'm kind of inspired to do the same thing. Cause I've been talking about like, uh, eventually I want to find a studio space and, you know, I want to have a place where friends can, you know, we can all develop film together or just like, you know, swing by on a Tuesday, take your work yeah. meetings. And then like in the background, you know, someone's like doing some weird shit with Polaroids or, you know, something right. like that. Like, I think that'd be cool. So I'm going to yeah. put some more energy into that. Yeah, and that's sort of what I want too. You know, I, I mentioned because I there's the two photo stores here, and the big one is Midwest Photo, and I know a lot of the folks there. You know, and I was like, I kind of wish you had like a coffee bar or something where I could just like mm. come and sit here and like edit photos yes. or whatever. Because I like spending time with you all, but like I'm just wandering around the store. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I want yeah. like a space where I can like do that. You know. So. If I could pull out a laptop and, you know, there's like I, – I don't even want the coffee. I want someone else making an espresso just for the sound of the machine. And right. then like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just drop in. Mm-hmm. See, I'm usually one who's just content to wait for other people to, to you know, um, schedule things or whatever because I'm mm-hmm. socially anxious and all that. But I don't know. Maybe it's the medication is dialed in just right, but I managed to pull it off. And now folks – now that folks have come and seen it, they're like, we should do this again kind of a thing. And uh, so 
there are already some discussions of of where we can go next. So uh, you can be I'm that excited. guy. You can be the yeah. the event space guy. Yeah. Well, we have the you know we have the guy who who sort of founded the film photography, the photo walk group, who's good about picking the like outdoor places that we go. But this going to indoor spaces is new. So yeah. I don't know. It's, There's lots of places for us to patronize out there, so they just have to be big enough for all of us to be in there. <laughs> we have some follow up to a follow up uh, to a follow up at this point, I think. Yeah, um, photo books. Yeah, Andrew, so, you put this in here. What's what's your what's your follow up follow up? So I think I had met you know you had mentioned making photo books, and then I had mentioned that I had looked into it. Uh, and my film photos were were not sufficiently high res for for Mimeo photos, um, but then Christmas came and went, and for Christmas my stepmom used the photos that I took at my stepmom's parents' fiftieth anniversary uh, celebration and made a photo book out of it. So I have had a photo book made by someone else, mm. but it's all my photos. Um, Interesting, yeah. How did so, it turn out? I think good. Uh, okay. Yeah. They stuck a photo that I took in at the very end where I, I found a mirror and I took a photo of myself and they put that at the very end that it said like, you know, thanks Andrew for all the photos. <laughs> 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 Which is, you know, fair because I'm – That's exciting that they like it enough to – Oh, well, that was the other thing too is that her her parents, you know, they sent out their Christmas card and their Christmas card photo was – was one of the photos that I took of them like cutting their anniversary cake. So it's nice. That always feels to see nice. That, you know, it's like, hey, I've had that happen a couple times where like my parents will use a photo I took. That, yeah. That, that feels nice. I'm not oh, and then my, my, my friend and his wife used some photos that I took of him and uh, their, their daughter who's um, not quite one um, for their Christmas card. Um, so that was neat too, you know. But that's like, I don't know. I like, uh, I like taking photos of other people as like an act of service, you know, yeah. it's like, because mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, it's sort of cliche, but like you used to go to JC Penny or Olin Mills or whatever and get family photos taken. And that's not a thing anymore, partially because everyone has camera phones, but like those aren't necessarily taking like good, like memento heirloom kind of photos, you know, right. it's like, that's, that's, I want to take like good photos that you will want to have printed out and framed, mm -hmm. you know, for people. I enjoy that. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Clearly, you had a couple of things in here you wanted to talk about photo books. Yeah, um, I'm interested in it. But uh, the, 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 the highest form of flattery that exists for me is... Um, my photo has become a friend's profile picture somewhere oh, yeah. or mm -hmm. a desktop wallpaper. I don't know mm. what exists about that medium. I, you know, I used to follow um, 50 foot shadows years ago um, and I would just wait for new uploads and set those as my desktop wallpaper. And it was so exciting. So anytime that someone is using my photo for that purpose, I, that, that makes me so happy. Um, Shout out to my friend Micah who took my friend Micah took my profile picture that I'm currently using on Instagram for Houston Photographics, uh, where I'm lounging on a, a park bench. 
I'm interested in making photo books, but I haven't. I'm still sort of hung up on like where to get them printed. Um, and I was talking with uh, Victoria ye- almost yesterday, I think, maybe Friday, about laying out her photo book that she's working on and the scope creep of putting together a photo book where you want, you know, you impose these arbitrary rules on yourself to try and make something like a real project sometimes. And then it becomes like a little bit of out of hand. And another yeah. thing that I'm I'm noticing is the desire to throw in more and more photos onto like mm-hmm. each page and not really curating the, mm. the story that you're telling. Like I, have so many photos that I I want to show off. Oh, well, I got this object in the picture and it was part of this whole series that I was doing. And I think the subject matter is cool, but it's really like not a great photo. And I have such a hard time like not putting that into the project, you know? Um, yeah. I'm just interested if y'all have thoughts or advice on like how to overcome that. I would say... It depends on what you're trying to do with the photo book. So the mm-hmm. the primary one that I make every year is for the holidays. I make one to like <clears throat> send to a close family and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's documenting a whole year. So I could put hundreds of photos in there. The thing could be huge. But that's not, I mean, I'm making... 10 or 15 of them and they're like $80 a piece. So I can't really do that. Um, The more pages you put in, the more expensive it is. So what I try to do, like I try to tell a story in the photo book. I try to in advance pick the things that I want to highlight and the story of the year that I want to tell and then fill in photos for each of those like moments, elements in the story that I'm trying to build. And then put them in. Because you're right, you will end up with too many if you don't edit yourself. Because you just put everything yeah. there. Yeah. I the ones that I was I was uh gonna make was it was gonna be one that was just like documenting like the two big trips that I went on this last year, uh, to Pennsylvania and Boston. Um so, you know, yeah, I think I mean, you can always make more photo books, right? It's just a more expensive proposition. But, like, you don't need to put everything into the one book um, unless you're trying to do, like, an Aaron Draplin, like, here's everything kind of thing. But, uh, you know, <laughs> that's a particular kind of thing as well. Um, well you I don't know. I, I, I'm always um, – I always think that, you know, creativity thrives with limitations, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can do anything, then, then it – actually gets kind of boring in my experience. You know, that's why I like film is because it is l- more limited than digital in a lot of ways. You know, you can't always get the exact shot you want. So I think you have to be, maybe this is just the project manager in me talking, but you have to manage the scope creep, you know, and say, this is, you know, pick, pick ahead of time. This is going to be a photo book about X, Y, Z thing. And that's it, you know? And if you have an idea later on for like, Oh, I should really include this other thing. Like that can be a future project or something, you know, but yeah. Um, yeah. I find myself the more that I shoot and I think the better that I get, um, cause I'm exclusively film. 
um, the more obsessive that I find myself getting about the role as the medium, um, mm-hmm. where I want this entire strip of film to somehow all be like perfect and perfect is not like, not like technically perfect. Like every one of these is a stellar shot, but I want the role to be cohesive, if that makes sense. And it in there lies madness, you know, it doesn't make any sense. There's nothing that doing that achieves. Um, because I'm not going to frame the, this piece of, of plastic and chemical and, and put that on the wall. It's, it's the individual photos in it, but I just, you know. I, I think what will disabuse you of that notion, honestly, is like going on photo walks because as you're walking along, like there will be things that you see or things that you miss or whatever. But then there's also times that it's like it is the end of the photo walk and I am on image 32 of 36 and I'm like, well – Okay, I have to finish this role. What the mm-hmm. heck do I take photos of? You know, and like, I'll just take photos of. It's like I don't know. I I just need to like finish the role. You know, I'm just <laughs> taking photos of random things. It's like, I've, well, this I've, isn't um, necessarily valuable. But then some some of those photos have actually turned out to be some of the favorite photos that I have from from particular roles. So, yeah, I tried. Um... I've been traveling a lot this year, and some of that is for the Connections Museum, where I'm, as I mentioned, volunteering. Um, And in doing so, I was driving across the country once or twice, um, and I, you know, I only bought so many rolls of film to take on this one-way drive. So I was trying to meter or um, trying to ration maybe my my shots over the course of, you know, five, six, seven days – um, and it, it strangely made me more obsessive of this habit because at that point I was, you know, to your point about like it being the role of the photo walk, I was yeah. like, these are the roles that tell a story. And I, of course, you know, I'm in a moving truck, like that there's, there's no way to just stop on this overpass and get that shot. So I had to be like always yeah. ready. And it, it made me, um, like really wish that I had a digital camera camera in a bad way, if that makes any sense. Um, no, I just it. for like the hoarder yeah, aspect yeah. of these photos, you know? Right. I wonder if you would feel better if you took like every role that you shoot, mm-hmm. get prints of every photo in it. All of them. Hmm. So that every role hat, like it has been made into a thing, right? You can just store the prints away. You can put them in little envelopes, mark them, write the story of the role on the outside. But then when you go to make your photo book, you're not feeling like you have to put everything in it because it's like everything has already been made before. That's an interesting idea. Um, It seems like certainly expensive, at least to do locally, but no, I, I I hear you. Um, And I wonder, I have um, a couple pages. One, I think is a pretty good illustration of my wanting to put sort of everything from the bag into the, into the book. Um, uh, at ultraviolet.gay slash photography, I have a, a sub page called flying around the sound where I went flying with my friend, Matt. And, you know, there's a lot of these shots that I'm not super proud of, but they sort of tell part of this story of the adventure and the role. Um, and I wonder if just shoving everything from a particular role into a web page would be like an interesting experiment like that. Yeah, that's. 
that's a little bit what I've been trying to do on my stuff too because mm. I think I have sort of the opposite problem to you actually because I'm looking at a photo walk I did in August where I took 208 total photos and then the album that I made for the ones that I liked is just 36 of them um, and I mm. promise you there are more than 36 good photos in those 208 but like mm. I am my own harshest critic and so right. Like I've started when I put up um, – like when I make an album on Pixie, my Pixie set for like a, a photo walk, I will make little subfolders for like each roll and just put the photos in there. And they generally go in there unless they're like really bad, like a misfire or like badly out of focus. But, you know, other than that, like I just try to put them up there, you know, because it's like – I also think too, this is like a photo walk thing is that it, like I'm taking photos of other people. I want to send those photos to them and they might like a photo that I didn't think was good. Um, yeah. I had this where I, you know, there was a model and I, I sent a bunch of photos and I thought, and, and they were like, oh, these are good. And then I said, I have this other one that I, um, you know, I think the lighting's a little weird, but I'll send it to you anyway. And I sent it and she was like, no, this is really cool. I like the look of this, you know? And it's like, nice. huh, to remember that, you know? Mm-hmm. So. I think part of what really gets me is I want photography to be an art form for me. I, I'm not super interested in capturing like, um, I, I, you know, I have an iPhone on me at all times. And if I want to take a photo of an, like a neat thing that I saw sort of from the point of view of proving that I saw it, um, you know, I want that to be an iPhone photo rather than a film photo. But my ability to take that photo on film has scaled pretty rapidly that I have just pointed the camera at so many things and said, oh, well, you know, who knows if that'll turn out. And then it turned out to be one of my favorite photos that I I have sort of broken the restraint. Um, and I think that's part of the problem. Um, well, this is like, yeah. yeah, I'll be on a photo walk and I'll just stop suddenly because I've seen a Bell System uh, manhole cover <laughs> and I have to take a picture of that because I love <laughs> Thank you for things. documenting those. We need yeah. those. They're, I mean, they're like, most manhole covers are boring, but the Bell System ones aren't. They're really neat, especially when it's one that's like, a bell, a post bell system one, so it still has the design, but then in the middle it says oh. like Ameritech, you know. Yes, yes, those are good. <laughs> I've SBC. got a U.S. West one with the the yeah. bell system um, pattern on it from from a. I should. This is giving me an idea like. now because I I have a friend whose project is like going around and documenting because he was he was into wrestling, um, mm-hmm. as a kid, like like not um, not like WWE wrestling, but like, you know, the athletic sport of wrestling. So he's been going around documenting um, wrestling rooms at various colleges or whatever. And it's like, I should just start collecting all of the photos of bell system manhole covers that I've taken and put them in an album or whatever. And just please do. And (laughs) if you would, honestly send a couple prints, if you really like to the connections museum, I've got one from, uh, can I call Philo a friend of the pod? Um, my friend. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> I uh, her photo on 
Bell Traffic Register film um, of the Long Lines building in New York City is now yeah. framed so, and on one of our walls with some notes about it. So, so that's um, so that's a photo of a Bell System building on film made for Bell System usage. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, this would have been used to record the number of phone calls that went through particular trunk lines in a certain period of time and taken automatically. Um, and so it's this, it's a really interesting like technical film because it's meant to capture a bunch of numbers on little dials um, in as efficiently as possible and then be read later. So, you know, just neat uh, technical photography as opposed to like – yeah. There's stuff like, you know, we don't get those films anymore because almost everyone's moved on from that sort of mm -hmm. thing. But uh, those are those are interesting films, the technical, you know, the technical films. Claire has a topic for us. We'd like to talk about Glass, the social media app. Yeah, I'm having a lot of fun on it. Um, I have now been on the discover page twice i'm on there today with a cactus mm. macro shot that i um took over the winter holidays when i was in tucson arizona and it rained um is that i do they really just like this like app. pick i don't know how they how does that get determined i know from what i can like tell them but um it's hand curated because every time that I have been on there so far, I have first gotten a notification that Daniel Adji, I don't know how to pronounce their last name, the uh, head of marketing for Glass, um, has liked my photo first. Mm. And then I also sometimes will go check the Explore page and see it there. So I think mm. that they are doing the curation, at least right now, um, nice. of those. <laughs> Well, because glass, I guess the conceit of glass is that it's basically like, what if Instagram was just about photos, you know, and yeah. had none of the other stuff and was like made for sharing photos, you know, the, the app experience is just photos and also like details about photos. Like you can have your EXIF data in there to have mm -hmm. people or, you know, I think you put what film you took stuff on, right? Too, I don't know how think, to do that, or, and I've been wondering for a while how I can get like my Nikon F tagged properly. But I, I that's something I'd have to probably. But that is a thing. It shows, you know, it, it. You've got the photo and who took it, and then it has the yep. details of the camera and all that. So yeah, this is yeah. Uh, you know, um, I guess a more pure sort of form of Instagram. Um, mm -hmm. Well, and they've done the. Uh, it, it's not monetized, right? There's yeah. no ads. You pay to be right. There. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's a subscription and I'm, I'm really liking it. I haven't had a difficult time like getting attention on here. Mm -hmm. I like that. It's so focused because I think like, you know, Instagram has, has pretty obvious. We can all see what's going on with that platform <sighs> and the drawbacks right. of, as a photographer being on there. Yeah. But I think that like Flickr has so much, um, off-label use in it nowadays mm -hmm. because it's yeah. been around for so long and it is so powerful that it's sort of gotten the scope creep in the application and people have uploaded so much stuff there as like historical documentation of certain things as yeah. opposed to like their photography, you know? 
But at the same time, I feel like Flickr is just sort of limping along, you know. Exactly. And like I, I like that this feels out. fresh and, and empowered. Yeah. Like, I'm I don't glad really, that I don't they're really still want to put around. my photos on Flickr. Who's going to see them? <laughs> Who's still on Flickr, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, the fl- look, the Flickr offices are over in Mountain View. And um, oh, sometimes, go there's, there? <laughs> sometimes there's cars parked outside. So, okay. so I guess people still work there. Mm. Sorry if you're a Flickr employee. Uh, I like that it's still around. Um, I think that that is a really powerful statement in this current era of link rot, because I don't think that there's yeah. any yeah, other that's photo true. platform that has existed. Um, I was doing some Seattle municipal like transit agency research the other day, and I found someone's f- historical photos of like the unveiling of the new streetcar lines from like 10 years ago on Flickr, because that's the only place that has kept them around and has the discovery p- features, um, powerful enough to let me find something like that but i mean honestly yeah. i um, think i think F- flicker only still exists because it's floated by smug mug uh subscription yeah oh is that I right guess. yeah, yeah I, they're, they're the same company now and i'm pretty sure that okay. uh the only and reason I, it continues to exist is because people pay for smug mug yeah gotcha and i have to give props to smug mug for Getting Flickr from I think Yahoo, Yahoo previously, yep. and and not shutting it down. Like you mean you mean Altaba? Yeah. Oh <clears throat> yes, uh, <laughs> we regret the air. Altaba, it's not Alibaba. Um, yeah, what? Um, what is going on with the web? But I yeah, so Glass know. is my my current but, favorite uh, place to be because I think WordPress and like setting up my own site are mostly too hard to like run a, a full blog. Sure. Although I have this like static page for things that I think are like particularly interesting projects or just like kind of an evergreen photo storage um, just to show off every once in a while. But Glass is where all my new so stuff has, is going and it's really got my interest. Has Glass made it so that you can share with people that don't have Glass accounts? Yeah. Um, okay. I have my profile somewhere in the settings. There's You can turn on or off having a public profile. So... I think okay. anyone can go to glass.photo forward slash 108 lowercase c and see my photos. Um, and I think the sharing in like the sharing integration in like iMessage oh, is yeah. also pretty good. Oh, yeah, there we I'll go. I'll test that out right now. Yeah, no, I, 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 think you can, I think you can all, you, uh, obviously link to like a single photo or whatever pretty easily. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, because I remember like I signed up for Glass when it first came out like – Geez, when was that? 2020? 2021? I know oh, I wasn't wow. living That's... in California yet when it came out. And I didn't know it was that old. I signed up initially, and it looked cool, but I didn't want to commit to a social network that I wasn't sure mm-hmm. if it would still exist in a few years. Because they were trying something new with making it so you had to pay to well, be there. It, it, speaking of social networks that might not exist in two years, Hipstamatic came back recently. Yeah, uh, they're trying the same thing as Glass, it seems. Yeah, but I don't like know a, about that. I in in a way, yeah, in a way that I'm not so certain about. Um, and I sort of got in hot water because they teased what it seemed like was like a new camera 
And indeed, I'm looking at their website now. They have renders of this thing that looks like a camera. And then it was like, oh, no, this is just a new design for our app. Sorry. Great. It's like, cool. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I actually, like, like you said, um, you know, like setting up your own WordPress or whatever for a portfolio is is a pain. And But this, yeah. just this profile view of your photos clear is like really good. Yeah, it's like right. portfolio it's actually, view. Thank you. Um, I I really like it. Um, I also will say that Glass has it's a you know it's a very hidden feature, but it does have an inbuilt RSS feed of every profile. Um, does it? Really? And it does. There's something wonky with it. Like I don't think they insert a new line character after the title of a post, um, because I've okay. had some that are like. Uh, kind of messed up, at least in my own RSS reader. Maybe you know, maybe it's a technical thing, and they can just fix it. But um, I thought that was a neat feature. I I would love to see something like that get more traction, and you know, maybe that could like federate somehow. I, I think that this is really neat because it's it's clearly gaining some interest, and it seems like they have the technical skill to integrate this and take it where it needs to go for you know modern social media kind of thing. So I'm, I'm into it. Yeah. All right. I, well, I'm, I reactivated my subscription. I'll put some stuff woo, up here. I was going to say, I signed up for glass and then sort of forgot about it. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to take another look here. Cause I, it's, it, this is interesting to me. So, yeah, I like it. I like it. sort of like, how I, now, I will say they need to, they need to sort it, of but... fix their search. Um, because I just typed That's your true. username into the search box and it didn't uh, find you, so they gotta they gotta yeah. get on that. There's some other weirdness, like the on the iOS app. There's some pre, you know, suggested search terms at the top of the Discover page, and or you know whatever yeah. the magnifying glass page is that they want to call it. Um, and not all of the images featured there are the thing that the predefined search said. So I don't know what's going in on the background where they convert that, you know, probably some LLM stuff. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it is I think it is neat, and I think it's going somewhere, and I, I would love for more friends to be on here. I don't know how much of my um, success with finding people who regularly send me, like, appreciations for my photos is that taking um, ectar photos of bright uh flower blooms in in macro is kind of a very easy thing to be into as opposed to you know like random <laughs> portraiture um so so that's probably part of the effect that's happening here with like people expressing interest but i don't know yeah. i would love for I it like to be a medium that i can keep up with my friends photography in because i see so many conversations with my friends just turn into gear because none of us are pulling out yeah, a laptop yeah. in the middle of a coffee shop to show the photos that we've been taking for yeah. months. And yeah. so I would really love to have everybody in the same place posting their, their work because I, I don't care about what you're shooting. I would, I would love to see what you've shot. Yeah. And we should say this, this is, uh, you know, a subscription. And I think some folks are going to like, uh, you know, uh, their eyes are going to widen when they hear that, but it's, it's $40 mm -hmm. a year. Which is yeah, they just jacked you know. it for the new year. I, I think. I mean, yeah. it was thirty before. It still seems yeah. fair to me. I mean, that's yeah. 
around three dollars a month. So yeah. you know, <laughs> that's wh- what can you get for three dollars these days? Honestly, <laughs> I mean, know? a roll of film and and developing and the and the high res scans like yeah, this is like, like one roll of film. Uh, three dollars no. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the cheapest film cr- that I can currently get my hands on is the box of expired film, which is five dollars a roll. So no, no, no. I mean, I mean, the whole year is one. Oh, roll. the whole yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, the whole year. Yeah, that's like uh, two or three rolls developed. Yeah. So right. Yeah. And see, I one. I have one two, complaint. But... Um, there is no. There is no aviation category. Oh, so oh have to start so... that. Are you familiar with the conceit? No. The central conceit of glass is that the categories are being introduced one at a time, one for each month. And every month, um, it's a competition, and the community director will pick some of their favorites from the brand new category and Uh. then put those into like a big end-of-the-month summary post so that everyone on the platform gets to see them. It's really neat. Um, okay. And it's pushed I, me I, to shoot like some that. new things that I don't ordinarily do. You know, honestly, this will win me over if it does not do the Instagram thing where if you pick uh, where the photo either has to be square or the original aspect ratio, but then if you put multiple photos in the same post, they have to be the aspect ratio of the first photo. Which means I don't think that you, you can, can put multiple, can you? You can I think it's just... in Instagram, oh, really? but that means that you can't you can't do like landscape and portrait photos in the same post because right. one or the other ends up looking weird. And I just wish that Instagram would just let me put photos in of an arbitrary layout, you know, <laughs> and in the same post, you know, because I want to make like a post that's like photos from the photo walk, you know, but and instead I got to spread it out over like two or three. So that no, they that all would look be, right. That would be. It, look, if the if Instagram is going to do that, letterboxed. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> if Instagram is going to do that, it's going to take, I don't know, twelve developers. Uh, you need a PM. You need a designer. <laughs> well, they still don't I, have an say, Insta- They still don't have. I'm going to say eighteen app. months. Eighteen yeah. months to get that. No, I don't out. think they're ever going to. And we simply that. can't fund that in these trying times. Because they're they're working on you know their thing is like reels now you know they got yeah. to compete with TikTok so yeah that's because uh, the new thing what did I I made like a um like a video story and it's like oh this will get shared as a reel automatically and it's like great thanks that's not what I want <laughs> I don't want to make a reel you know I you just sure? want to post. I just want to post a video of my dog looking, you know, ridiculous to my but, but, story but, or whatever. But but, but 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 reels have better engagement. Yeah, I don't care about oh. that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, hey, wait a second. With that really high frame rate still image camera, oh, um, mm. you know, couldn't? Do you think you could make Instagram Reels content with that thing? Um, no, because I'm pretty sure that burst only lasts for a few seconds. <laughs> okay, that's, that's fair, I guess. I mean, uh, yeah, but the the Edison horse running first motion picture ever, you know, also, you know, oh, how long true, was that? Yeah. That's true. Not that long. If I got if I got a fast enough uh, CF Express card in my camera, I think I could probably do about thirty seconds. 
of yeah. 20 FPS uh, video. Yeah. I should put an Instagram reel up that's of that, that not the first motion picture, but the one where the train, you know, the black and white and the train is coming at the, and the whole thing <laughs> yep. was that people thought the train was coming at them because they hadn't seen motion <laughs> pictures before and be like, you know, here's my reel, guys. <laughs> Let's move on to our final topic for today. We want to talk about some films. Harmon Phoenix, Ekdar. Uh, I don't know much about these still. I mean, I know what we've talked about before, but I don't shoot film. So. Claire and I are both big Ektar enjoyers. Mm-hmm. Um, Ektar quickly became one of my favorite films over this summer um, because I think it really shines uh, in the outdoors, in yep. bright sun. Um, Absolutely. I just love it for that. The greens of Ektar are so green. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're just like no, so you're, saturated. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I shot my first role of Ektar in January in Seattle, and that was – took a long time to finish that role, uh, trust me. But yeah. it is by <laughs> far my favorite. I shoot it almost every chance I get. I have very little else stocked. Um, in the last year I shot 16 rolls. So, um, oh, wow. you know, at least the rate I, I go, that's, that's quite a bit. I'll um, say that's, I think more rolls than I've shot of, of Ektar, but yeah. I, I would like to become the, the podcast's official Ektar correspondent if possible. Um, okay. I, I love it. I have <laughs> I been experimenting. Can do that. <laughs> yeah. I've been experimenting recently with pushing it a little bit and oh, I am really surprised that pushed one or two stops. Ektar is pretty cool. So, um, in the show notes, I've got this normally um, exposed photo of a sun uh, sunflower that I saw in the Black Lives Matter Memorial Garden in Cal Anderson Park here in Seattle. And then these other two, the cactus photo is from my trip to Tucson. And the sunset is um, an island off the coast of the Olympic Mountains in Olympic National Park here in Seattle or in Washington, I guess. Um, and the cactus is pushed one stop and the sunset is pushed two. And I think this, this is interesting. It doesn't get much grainier. Um, yeah. it, it holds yeah, it a lot great. of the color reproduction very well. If anything, I think it gets a little more saturated, which is really something because the color reproduction on Ektar is just spectacular in the yeah. first place. Well, this um, is, and- which is why I love it. Yeah, this is the thing I'll say about Ektar is that it is probably the closest I've come with a film camera to like having a photo that looks like it was taken on a digital camera. Like the photos are so clear and so colorful um, and they scan really well. Um, So, yeah, but that's, you know, like I have kind of put my Ektar away for the winter because it's here in Ohio – uh, it's not ISO 100 conditions, but now yeah. that I now that I know that I can push it, uh, mm-hmm. I might give that a shot because that definitely that could be give interesting. It, give it two, push it two stops. I think you might be really surprised. Um, and I yeah. I shot it like all winter, and you know if you just kind of wait for those bright days where all of a sudden the clouds open up or you're right at sunset and you get like a few minutes. Like that's when mm-hmm. I was taking a lot of walks and taking some of my early photos of different flower blooms and stuff. And that, that was, I had a lot of fun with that. Um, and I think 
it being an ISO 100 film normally, it sort of falls into a familiar place for me because Polaroid, which I'd been shooting for so long before that, just eats up light. Like it wants flash and golden All hour. All the time, um, right, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like that – so I, it just sort of makes sense to me and I, I get pretty great results. Um, and I, I still think, you know, it's not entirely – it still has an artistic um, – filter to it like the color profile is there if you can look for it um i especially in like shots with like a lot of color simultaneously going on it looks a little bit too real like it looks like i've played with the saturation sliders in lightroom uh for hours kind of out of the box and i i really enjoy that i've got i'm gonna drop one of mine in here there's the there's a um uh, a street, actually it's Gay Street um, here in Columbus, and there is a person who has a really old scooter. Um, oh, my file's over the limit. That photo is too big. Um, Notion is bad for photography. Let's really come is. out and say it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Notion, I'm calling you out. Stop doing the AI stuff and let me upload more than five megabytes on the free plan. Um, it'll probably cost you less money in the long run. Um mm-hmm. Where can I put this then? Uh, anyway, they have like a really old 80s scooter um, that I captured on Ektar. It's really nice. Um, I've seen that that photo that you're talking about, and I, yeah. I do really like it. Most, if not all, of my glass profile is on Ektar. I think very close to 100% of it. but Because um, mm. it just – that's – for whatever reason – that's where I the shots that I really love come out when I when I find that light in particular. So, um, and I shoot with an entirely manual setup. I have no focus aid in my Nikon F, so I have no light meter. I'm just sort of pulling out my phone and every once in a while getting a feel for what the light levels are, and it it just works. So now I'm now that is commitment it. because I'm <laughs> I'm usually going out there with my Nikon F100 because I can't be bothered with all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to point it at stuff and press the button. <laughs> it's it is so fun to to not have even um what's the split prism typically called? Like that's not a diopter, right? No, I just think of it as a split prism or okay. yeah. To to not have one of those cuz I just have an architectural ground glass in my Nikon that I got off eBay. Um mm. it's just got like three grid lines vertically and horizontally and that's it for focus and i just take my phone out of my pocket every once in a while to get like a general sense of what's the brightest spot in my vision what's the shadow like the shadow spot like Mm -hmm. and then i just put it away and sort of try to be there for most of the shots i don't know it's neat I, i like it uh and then next you've uh shot some of Harmon's new phoenix film which we've talked about previously. I shot it as close to Phoenix, Arizona as I could, which was Tucson. Oh, very good. Um, so I, I was I was pretty happy with that as a as a uh, medium. I'm sorry, actually, that won't. Uh, <laughs> I'm afraid that's not quite what we want. No, that's. Yeah. This is a lovely picture, and I I, I uh, of a cactus here, and I do like the halation. Of Phoenix is, I think, very complementary for this kind of image because it has this like fringing on the I don't know what you call them needles of the the cactus. You know, it, um, yeah, it's not overbearing. 
Um, and it's sort yeah. of tinting into that orange space, a lot of the greens, I think really works for it because it gives it um, that feeling of being a little bit too hot in the desert. Um, mm-hmm. I was really surprised with how noisy it is. I think most, you know, most people have commented on that. I still yeah. really love it. Um, the color reproduction, this is kind of the only one that really stood out to me. I think most of them I would have preferred to shoot um, Portra and get like a really stylized effect, mm. um, but still get a lot more exposure latitude because most of the the Phoenix that I shot was like extremely blown highlights and then the darks were also just kind of muddy in color. Um, so I wasn't super thrilled with that, but... Um, I, I got a couple rolls and I'll, I'll definitely use it again. Um, I think I'm just going to kind of wait for the right subject matter to come along. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. A lot of discussion at my birthday thing about, about Phoenix. Cause a lot of folks have been trying it, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of different opinions. Um, but I think people are generally excited for it. Um, just sort of learning how to deal with its limitations. And what I've realized is that, um, they, they rate it at 200 ISO, um, and that's optimistic. It's not really a 200 ISO <laughs> film. It's more like 125, I think. Um, cause I, when I took a lot of shots with it on a photo walk where it was sort of cloudy overcast, they're all kind of dark and underexposed. Um, and so yeah. I actually, I shot some Phoenix today. And I, I shot it at 125. Um, so we'll see how that goes when it get, comes back. Um, this yeah. photo that I have here for the listeners is actually pulled to 100 ISO. And I guess I should have just shot it directly at, um, like instead of asking the lab to do anything, just shot oh, yeah. it at 100 and, you know, not mention anything instead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think I'll, I'll do I'm that doing. going forward. Yeah. Hmm. Because I, I yeah I think they're just a little optimistic on the the rating of it yeah yeah um, which you know you gotta start somewhere I guess but uh, yeah yeah I'm excited I'm curious to see um, you know because Harmon implied that this is like their first attempt and they're going to be future attempts uh, at color film hopefully improving all the while um, so I'm excited to see what that might entail and sort of hopefully continuous improvement. Um, cause, uh, yeah, we need more color films out there because they we keep disappearing. Films. Just um, any, any yeah. new well, ones. Right. Well, but color, color films in general, you know, like there's really just like Kodak that makes color film anymore. Like Fuji yeah. doesn't really make their own color film anymore. It's um, a very exciting right. development for sure. And I, I'm going to keep my enrolls cause I, I want to see like what I can do with it and, and yeah. how it goes. But. I was, I was gifted a few today, so I have, Ooh, I somehow nice. left with more film than <laughs> I showed birthday. up with. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I have that. Sometimes I have some, that uh, I have some, I was given some Ferrania P30, um, by my friend Dave, who is the, the old camera guy on YouTube. Uh, you can go look up his, uh, his videos. He does good content, uh, film reviews and things like that. Um, and he also gave me, um, a roll of superior extra, which, you know, you can't, you can't get superior extra anymore cause they quit. They, they, they make quote unquote Fuji superior 400, but it's not, it's just 
rebadged Kodak at this point. So yeah. yeah. Oh, I love this photo that. you really sent with the with the grain. It's really good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I like the blues. Um, and the, you know, there's no problem with the reds, but that that green. I think if the blue kept being as saturated as I got in most of the the Phoenix shots as it is, and then we just dialed down the red a little bit, it wouldn't feel so Michael Bay. Yeah. Um, and then I could really lean into it. But otherwise, like I'll send another outtake of the cactus photo that just, you know, the the red from the halation is just a little bit too much for my preference. But then again, yeah. I'm shooting Ektar most of the time. And these would you, have been blown out because the exposure latitude of the desert is a little bit too much. So, yeah. you know. You, you might fun. have to play project. with the sliders on these because, you know um, – uh, Phoenix has that weird base color. It's not. It's not like an orange base, like most color film. Mm-hmm. It's like a greenish base, and so it it might be that these just scanned with a slightly weird, you know, color profile. And if you push the sliders around a little bit, you might you might be able to get slightly better colors. You out might of be them, right. But. I sent these to Moody's in Seattle, and I usually don't develop with them. I usually go to Panda Lab because I like to have an excuse to go down to the Space Needle by KEXP and feel like I have business there. Because <laughs> um, that makes me feel very important. Right. Um, yeah. But so for this one, I, I tried out movies because I feel like... film. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, and I ride up on my motorcycle uh, too. And if I don't have that oh, yeah. many rolls, I slip them in my denim jacket pocket and then like, oof. Mm. I mean, we've mm-hmm. you've got a whole mood going there. So that's pretty fun. Right. Um, but so for these, I sent them to Moody's, who is also here, because I thought their audience might have been more likely to have already shot a bunch of Phoenix, so they might have their mm-hmm. scanner dialed in a little bit more for the base color. But maybe you're right. I, I might just yeah, find I some more success tweaking what, with them. When I scanned it at home on my, my Nikon scanner, I, it was um, too green, I found, actually. Ooh, so, huh. yeah. Okay. Um, That's yeah. interesting. But then the photo lab at Midwest Photo, they reported that like they ran Phoenix through their Noritsu scanner and it just sort of figured it out just fine without a whole lot of fuss. So, you know, it's like, well, can I get that scanner? <laughs> I know it's like a photo lab scanner that costs thousands of dollars, but. <laughs> Move to Seattle, Houston. We'll go in on some gear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't tempt me. <laughs> <laughs> like not not only renting a studio, but also like buying an old Fuji mini lab setup from like a Walmart one hour photo so that we can do. Moody's, dry watch your back. We're coming for C41. you. C41. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like a, an old Dunkin' Dip machine so we can do ECN2. Um, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I should mention this. I, I sh- shot some um, Cinestill film. And I'm having it developed as ECN2 rather than a C41, so it's native chemistry because really? the um, Process 614 lab here run yeah. by my friend Adam, he can do ECN2. So I was like, I was like, can you do this in ECN2? Because I'm curious to see how it looks, you know, when it's like developed in the actual chemistry it's made for. So we'll see how that goes. That's- that's very interesting. I have one last question, if you don't mind. I oh, sure. have shot a lot of Cinestill because I have fallen victim to the I have to try one of everything curse um, yeah. in order to okay. know if I like it. 
And so mm. I have shot just about every manufacturer's different variety in every single different ISO that they make too, um, mm. that I can get at Glazers except slide. Cause I, I'm not super into slide. Um, and how do you think like 50 D like any of the daylight balanced Cinestills hold up to Harman Phoenix? Because I was really disappointed with the colors in Cinestill in a similar way, but I like Phoenix a lot more. Um, Cinestill film, like when I shot it, um, like I was doing everything I can to give it the right atmosphere. I was in Southern California. I was shooting in the day in golden hour. Um, and like, you know, just at, at noon too. So the light would be really harsh and I was really just disappointed with the color reproduction and just the general way that it skews the colors. It didn't feel artistic to me. It felt just kind of gross. Um, how, how do you think it compares yeah. to, the, to the Phoenix? I um, I do not like 50D. I shot a okay. roll. I went to a park and I shot a roll of 50D and the colors were all wrong. It was like yeah. orange, yeah. but in a non-pleasing way. And then I shot a roll of ektar right after that and it was perfect um and i'm like i don't know what it is with this film but it's like color shifted in a weird unpleasant way i don't know i don't like it so i've not tried 50d again i used to make Uh, fun of portra a lot for its particular you know color skew i was i was like this is the the official film of shooting 1970s bell telephone offices because of its reproductions (laughs) of beige and gray they're perfect Mm -hmm. um but but I well, I like shot it in tones. San Francisco. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I was I was really impressed by the um it, it does feel it feels like film. It feels artistic in a film way that I do think Harmon Phoenix does, but that I don't think that the Cinestill daylight balanced films feel yeah. to me. And I don't know what that distinction is, but you know. 50D feels busted to me. I don't think I'll shoot it again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 400D is unremarkable to me. I mean, I don't, you know, if I want, it, it did not seem sufficiently better to me than like Kodak Ultramax, you know, which is cheaper. Yeah. So yeah. these are the ones that are converted uh, movie films, right? Yeah. It's basically yes. movie film that they've taken the Remjet off of ahead of time. Um, yeah. I, I wonder. If the reason it looks busted is that the ramjet well, is that's, important. Well, th- it's, you know, that's potentially the case, yeah. yeah. I don't know um, that most of my issue with the 50D is the halation. Um, and if you especially consider that, like, Ektar and Portra are formulated, you know, from all the technology that Kodak has made, you know, almost entirely being a movie film manufacturer for the last true. two, three decades – Um, like there's not a lot of distinction there except that they were manufactured without it on on purpose. Um, Yeah. I was just at a loss for why 50D looked so weird, but 400D I've tried. What I've heard from friends is that they think that 400D looks better in medium format than 35. Hmm. Um, I haven't gotten around to shooting 400D in medium format though. So I don't, I don't know. Um, but you know, if I want to shoot a 400 ISO color film, I will usually pick something cheaper than, than Cinestill. Yeah. <laughs> I, unless I'm at gold. Yeah. 
Oh, I, I love Codec Gold. I love Codec Color Plus um, yep. and Ultra Max too um, for like higher ISO color the same films. Now, I think. But anyway, they're yeah. pretty similar. Yeah. Um, and I like 800T from Cinestill, even if they're doing some I, stupid stuff with the trademarks. Yeah. But, you know, I, I really I do like the underlying. I do like 800T. 800T is really great film for taking photos of neon signs at night. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you, <laughs> that's you need like a what film it's best at. Yeah, well, and it's also just like we just don't have that many high ISO color films. So like it's Portrait yeah. eight hundred or eight hundred T generally, and yeah. Portrait eight hundred is really expensive. So um, it's eight hundred. I really like basically. it as an experimental film because I've taken a lot of like I have a photo of all the glow in the dark stars on the ceiling above my bed that I just took. By like holding the shutter open manually in like mm. B mode, um, and just sort of spinning it around, and it, and it feels really cool. Um, those kind of yep. low light applications are so fun with it. The other thing I like about 800T is is that you can push it all the way up to 3200 and probably past that, and it still looks pretty good. It gets grainy, but it's still you can still get good photos out of it. Um, so it lets you do. Uh, you know, night shots, basically. Um, I'd love to try yeah. that. I like that. Um, yeah, I recommend push. I think you can, because they, they put on the film canister, they have a little checkbox so you can check how many stops you push it. And I think they have up to three on there. So you can push it all the way up to like 6,400. Um, yeah, yeah. I've only ever gone to 3,200 with it. Um, but yeah, I, um, speaking of, Adam, the process 614 guy, he has started bulk rolling cinema film on his own since he can develop ECN2. So I'm hoping he will get some like 500T, which is the underlying film that 800T is based off of, and bulk roll that so that I don't have to give Cinestill my money anymore. <laughs> That's one of the main reasons that I want a studio is so that I can convince the collective Taco Bell Labs in- Incorporated to start down that road but um yeah. we'll see how that goes i'll let yep. you know um thank Good you luck. both for having me on i'm sorry that so much of this became talk about film stocks um, no sorry, that's Arthur. fine no <laughs> <laughs> oh. hey look i'm all good i like hearing about it just because i don't yeah. do it doesn't mean i don't enjoy it well i'd love to talk about polaroids some other time um and the strange success i have with simply point and shoot there um but yeah, do you have so anything much. you'd like to plug um, my glass profile, please follow me. I, I'm having right. fun with it and I, I want to see more cool people on there. Glass we will link to photo. it in the, in the, uh, in the doodly do. And we'll yeah. have links to the pictures that we discuss as well. Yep. If you come to Seattle, please visit the connections museum, hmm. um, in Georgetown. It's good. You can take I gotta photos go there. there. Cause I, yeah, I see other people's photos there and I'm jealous, frankly. It looks like a, cause there's just so much equipment there you know oh um if you if you want a sort of unrelated exclusive um Mm. i have uploaded all my scans of the um bell systems graphic design standards manuals that i have acquired over the last few months of volunteering there um those are on archive.org slash details slash at 108c um, there's a lot of really fun stuff there that I've uploaded. Uh, go check that out. 
Ooh. <laughs> checking it out right now oh wow okay the, yeah okay. we'll put a link to that as well the the one that loaded first for me is this 19 1876 to 1976 one uh oh. 100 years of service the telephone and this is a great logo this is yeah we used to be a proper country you know that's what i'm I know saying that's <laughs> that's my civic own. pride progress was being made that's my other podcast but you yeah, know that's, that's the other one <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Please send in those photos of manhole covers. I would love to see them. I am Claire at connectionsmuseum.org. Yeah, anytime if you don't know what a bell system manhole cover looks like, Google it and then you'll start seeing them everywhere. So, um, cuz they're prolific. I'll find mine for the show notes too. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Claire. And thank you for listening to Sensor Noise. You can find us at sensornoise.com, on Instagram at sensornoisepod, and on Blue Sky at sensornoise. And if you like the podcast, please tell a friend. 